John here, and we've got a new sponsor, DistroKid. Now that you've finished your latest Pirate Math SpongeCore Twitch trek, it's time to get it out there so everyone can hear it. DistroKid helps musicians get their music on all the major streaming platforms, and artists keep 100% of their royalties. And because you're a high-gain listener, you get 30% off. Just go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash high gain. That's distrokid.com slash VIP slash high gain. And now DistroKid has an app. The DistroKid app is available for iOS and Android. You can download it at distrokid.com slash app or in the app and play stores. We'd like to take a minute to thank our pals over at Isotope, makers of software and plugins for audio repair, mixing, and mastering. The new gold standard of audio repair, Isotope RX11, is coming in May. Buy RX10 now on sale and get RX11 absolutely free when it's released. We use Isotope products here at the High Gain. It's an important part of how we've been able to bottle pure podcast gold week after week. High Gain listeners get 10% off using the promo code FRET10. That's F-R-E-T-1-0. That's all at isotope.com. I-Z-O-T-O-P-E dot com. Hey, this is Ed Peterson. And this is John Kiltica, Ed. And this is the High Gain Podcast, John. The High Gain Podcast. Yes, it is. John, let me tell you some stuff. Oh, ooh. We talk about guitars. Yes. We talk about pedals. Yes. We talk about amps, cables, MIDI stuff. Yes. That kind of thing. I'm just cutting to the chase. I'm not going to ask you and spend a lot of time going back and forth. That's the deal. Okay. This is what we do. MIDI is for witches. Wizards. Yeah, MIDI wizards. Right. Liches. You know about liches? Is that like the thing you put on your arm and it sucks the blood out of you? Nope. That is a high enough level wizard that they've gone so into the dark arts that they become an undead creature. It's an (laughs) undead creature, not unlike a vampire, except magic based instead of a blood disease. A magic vampire. Undead wizards, not vampires. Okay. Okay. John lives in West Seattle. I live in West Seattle. That's right. It's beautiful. Yes. We're both in basements. Right. Boom. What do you think of that, John? Man, you are cutting to the chase. Banging this shit out. That's what I'm doing. Crazy. Beverages. Beverages, Ed! Oh, my God. You know, like, sometimes I sit here and you play a song, and I, like, I'm stone-faced. Sometimes, like, my jaw drops, and I'm just like, wow, that's awesome. (laughs) Today? You're just disappointed? 
I was actually just laughing the whole time. <laughs> I don't know if that's the reaction you were going for, but that's great. That's our good friend Ozzy and our good friend Randy. R.I.P. Randy. Oh. Yeah. Randy Rhodes. Yep. So it wasn't a generalized laughing at the execution? It wasn't like exactly shocking <laughs> what was going on, but it was... <laughs> I don't know. Hey, John. Yes. I'm drinking a Romano's Italian soda. Romano's? Vanilla cream. Tell me about it. It is made by our good friends to the north, Orca Beverages. It's an Orca beverage? Yeah, it sure is. Oh. It's all Italian flag and little like a vanilla bean kind of thing on it. And then I looked closer and like, oh, no shit. It's actually an orca banger. What about you? What do you got? I knew I was going to need as much pep as I could get. Okay. So I drank an ass ton of coffee before this. Mm -hmm. And then in preparation for the episode itself, I figured the safest bet would be to just refill the coffee. My Romano's Italian soda. Yes has no caffeine in it. But before recording, I did drink an entire pot of coffee. Nice. And then right as you started hitting the record button, Vicky handed me an espresso. Of course she did. Which I just chugged. So <laughs> I've had a pot of coffee and a double shot of espresso. I should be sufficiently amped. Woo! You know what that is, it? It's a Dean, like an actual mid-70s, right? Yes. This is a Dean Z guitar. Okay. Anybody who's familiar with the butt <laughs> knows that Dean has been around for a long time and continues to make guitars. Yeah. And that's all well and good. But the original Dean from Dean Guitars is no longer affiliated with the company, and it's been a while since he was. Okay. So I thought, hey, let's go into the beginning of Dean Guitars. And so the guitar I have today is 1979. This is an original Dean Z guitar. Before we deep dive on Dean, yeah, which I'm super stoked to do, let me just throw this out there. Yeah. Fuck Gibson. Okay. <laughs> We've got that out of the way. Let's dig into Dean. By the way, that sound you're hearing, the dirt, oh, yeah. is local. This pedal is built locally by Spun Loud Effects here in Seattle, although our man Dan, who builds them, has recently moved up to the Great Bellingham. He wants to be closer to Canada. We just call that Seattle North, right? Right. You know. This pedal is called the Blister and Peel. It is a dirt pedal with two sides to it, Ed. Mm -hmm. For that opening riff, I was playing the peel side of it. Oh, really? Okay. And that's not even as dirty as it gets, but we'll get into that. Why is that? Because later on in this episode, we're going to talk to our man, Dan, and we're going to ask him all about this pedal. I can't wait, John. Yeah. John, I can't wait. We're going to have Dan here. All right. You want to know about our man, Dean? Yes. Dean guitars are actually named after a person. Sure. His name is Dean. Yes. Dean Barrett Zielinski. Born in Chicago in 1957, I am happy to report 
He's still kicking. That is awesome. Isn't that cool? Because we were doing this episode, I wanted to just kind of look up the guitar and stuff. Yeah. One of the first links and videos that came up uh-huh. was Dean Z actually demoing stuff like modern day, today Dean. That's cool. Yeah. There were like two or three of those videos. And the thing that jumped out at me about the guy without knowing anything is he's the dude who records in a very nice dimly lit room and everything, but with sunglasses on. He's a dim inside sunglasses dude. So am I. No, you're not. (laughs) What are you talking about? Maybe I should start putting on sunglasses for these. An immediate radar thing goes off when you see that look. Great. I just took a selfie of me with sunglasses. (laughs) You want to know what the deal is with this guy? Yeah, of course I do. Born in Chicago. Mm -hmm. By the time he's about 10, 11, 12, he shows an interest in taking guitar lessons. A Man After My Own Heart, that's about the same time I started. He went down to the local music shop to see if there was anybody there giving lessons. There were a couple guys there, not much older than him, giving lessons. This was in the suburbs of Chicago. He took his first guitar lessons in this little guitar shop from Paul Hamer. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, of Hamer Guitars. Wow. Yeah. As a side note, yeah, Hamer had been kicked out of high school. Oh. Back in the late 60s, he had the sideburns and the long hair, and he actually got kicked out of school for being a hippie. <laughs> and so as a part of American legal history, Paul Hamer Sr., his father, sued the local school district and won saying that it is essentially a violation of First Amendment rights to punish somebody for the way they look. That's cool. Hamer. While he's taking his guitar lessons, he's also messing around with guitars. He's one of those people like, what happens if I take this apart and put it back? Sure. What would happen if I try to modify it myself? He was one of those tinkerers. And so at kind of an early age, he starts to realize, I kind of like this part of the whole thing. By 1972, three or four years after he starts playing and taking these lessons, he actually approaches the owner of the music store where he's taking the lessons saying, you should let me do repairs for your shop. Oh, this kid. (laughs) The ball's on this kid, right? (laughs) Sure. Why not? Yeah, why not? He got increasingly better. Sure. And he made the actual decision that that's what he wants to do with his life. Sure. Except he's got this annoying thing called high school he still has to deal with. Sure. He didn't want to upset his mother by just flat out quitting high school. So he approached his guidance counselors. Okay. And said, can I do the kind of running head start thing, but with my own company? And they're like, wait, so you would just not go to school, but you would go work at your own company? And he's like, yeah. So he got his guidance counselors to agree to let him work at making his own guitars for a living as what he called work release. (laughs) Great. He started making double neck Dean guitars. Was that because they were double neck guitars? No, that was just what he called it. Well, double neck, double neck Dean. He likes the kind of V and Explorer shapes that Gibson's doing. Hell yeah. The funny part is our man Dean, he doesn't know shit about how to manufacture guitars. He's learned how to work on them and to some degree build them by hand. Mm -hmm. He wants to get into the manufacturing of higher end guitars. 
what tooling do I need? Where am I going to even get the materials? What's the order of operations in the factory to make multiple guitars? He doesn't know anything about it. He wants to expand beyond one at a time by him carving necks and shit like that. Right. Sure. So he and a buddy get in the car and drive the three hours from Chicago to Kalamazoo, Michigan. Mm. And they take the factory tour at Gibson. That's awesome. They're walking him through the factory, taking the tour. His buddy is discreetly like walking around to the back of machines, writing down like what brand the machine is, what model number that buffing wheel is. Some real like industrial espionage shit going on here. A couple of high schoolers. Yeah. And they're kind of asking the workers in the factory, like, where do you guys get that polishing compound? Right. <laughs> Some of the guys even take a liking to him and start answering his questions like on the phone later on. And he is in high school, literally in high school at this point. Yes. He's like 18 years old. It's his senior year in high school. That's so great. He goes back to Chicago, eventually graduates high school. Now it's 1976. Dean is free to pursue guitars full time without having to check in with some dopey high school. He changes the name to Dean Guitars and he tries to start tooling up. He's flipping through the yellow pages and comes across some kind of like machinery, wholesaler, scrap dealer, and calls him up. Do you have anything I can use to make guitars with? And he does end up getting a fret slaughter. Imagine a spindle spinning and it has blades on it spaced apart where the frets are supposed to go. Oh, no kidding. And it cuts all the fret slots at once. Oh, that's sick. Yeah. That's pretty cool. You know where he gets the fret slaughter from? It was a guy who used to work at K Guitars, the Chicago Boys. When K went under, some of the people that worked in the factory got the equipment off the factory floor. That's probably just some manager being like, fuck it, I don't give a shit. <laughs> you know? If you can fit the thing in your car, take it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's how he's kind of piecing stuff together. And he's still talking to the guys at the Gibson factory like, okay, now I have a fret slaughter. What else do I need? Wow. Our man Dean is enterprising. He's just figuring it out as he goes. Doing that shit at 18 is pretty awesome. So the dude's wearing sunglasses indoors. Like, okay, Ed, cut him the tiniest bit of slack, you know? I mentioned earlier that what he was really into were the V and the Explorer-shaped guitars. Right. Problem is, even at that date, you know, mid-70s, they were expensive and hard to come by, and he was going to need some kind of reference that he could then modify to his liking. Mm-hmm. So he gets in touch with a local Ibanez rep. Remember, this is a lawsuit era. Right. And Ibanez is making some very, very accurate reproductions of everybody's shit. So the local rep sells him an Ibanez copy, one each, of a V and an Explorer, which Dean proceeds to measure and calibrate and take pictures of and make drawings from, uh, eventually cutting them up to see what was going on on the inside and how the necks were put together and until he had all the information he needed. If you're going to make a shape that's like an Explorer shape, do you actually want to measure an Explorer? Because his stuff's different enough anyway. You know what I mean? I don't know how much of it was him using it as a reference point, a starting point, and then he could depart from there. Right. I'm not familiar enough with the shapes to know like, oh, it's different in this way or that way. Now he needs a logo, Ed. Okay. 
So he gets with a guy who says, oh, I know how to do graphic design. I'll make your logo. And this guy does the word Dean in capital letters with wings on either side of it. It's perfect. Yeah. And he charges our man Dean 30 bucks. And that's the end of that. I think that is perfect. He charges him $30,1977. I bet that's like 52 bucks today. Oh my God. What? I was so far off. It's crazy. What is it? to do some graphic design? Sure. Okay. Volume, two-tone, three-way position, selector switch, two humbuckers. Is that it? Two volumes and a tone. Oh, two volumes and a tone. Okay, okay. Two DiMaggio Super Distortion humbuckers. Love it. Deans were the first guitars to offer them as stock in the guitar. That's what you get. Yeah. No upcharge. You buy one of these, you're going to get the fatty pickups in it. Throwing some mid-70s, top-of-the-line pickups in it? Hell yeah. So now he's got what he needs to make these V and Explorer guitars, but he's thinking that he needs a third shape to round out the line. Sure. What's he going to do, Ed? Yeah, I don't know. Like, is it a Strat? It is not. Okay. You know the V-shape, what that looks like. Totally. And you know the Explorer shape, what that looks like. Oh, is it the combo one where it's like the Explorer, Uh but it cuts in like a V? Yes. Totally. He took those two shapes and put them on the floor and played around with them till he came up with something he liked. Totally. In my brain, I almost think of that shape as like just a weird variant of the Explorer. It kind of is. Yeah, yeah. I just mean, I don't picture it in the V camp at all. No, no, maybe not. It totally makes sense what you just said, that he like put them both on the floor and kind of overlapped them. But the end result is just a slight variation of an explorer. Right. That shape was called the ML shape, named after a childhood best friend of his who had died of cancer. Oh, That guy's name was Matt Lynn. Man, this guy, 18, 19 years old. Yeah. Doing all this weird-ass industrial spying or whatever, you know, like figuring stuff out. And then he's introspective enough to name one of the models after a friend. Like, man. Seems like a pretty cool guy, I think. And sunglasses indoors. Of course. That's the thing that I'm going to have a hard time getting past. You're going to have to work at it. I'm trying. Great. Now he's got his three shapes, mm-hmm. and he's talking to his uncle, or is it a cousin? Whatever. A relation. Sure. And this relative says, well, I know a guy who's the marketing slash ad guy. Do you want me to have him come by, and maybe he can give you some tips and pointers? Mm-hmm. Dan says, yeah, sure, send him by. This guy's name is Zan Skolnick. <laughs> cool. Zan comes by and says, I heard you need some tips. So Dean is telling him the kind of lay of the land in terms of guitars because Zan doesn't know anything about that. Yeah. And he's explaining to him, yeah, you know, CBS bought Fender, Norland bought Gibson, and the quality's going to shit. I want to bring that quality back and beat them at their own game. Zan, the ad guy, says, I think I know exactly what to do about this. I'll work it up for you. And Ed? Yeah. I sent you the first Dean ad ever made that I happen to have a copy of. A new standard of excellence. 
the finest rock guitars since you know who sold out to the big boys. (laughs) (laughs) That is so good. Yeah, and at the bottom it says, what other manufacturers consider custom-made is standard for us. Turn up the volume. You'll know why our guitars have wings. That's kind of a Red Bully sort of thing. Yeah. Put a little blister and peel on there. Okay, I'm going to put on the blister and the peel sides. This might be a great time to talk to our good friend Dan. Should we bring Dan from Spun Loud Effects in? Let's do it. Hey, Dan. Are you there? I'm not there. I'm here. Are you in beautiful West Seattle, Dan? I am no longer in beautiful West Seattle. I am in beautiful Bellingham, Washington. I have relocated north. Bellingham might be more beautiful than beautiful West Seattle. That's no easy task. I've got here uh, one of Dan's pedals. It's the blister and peel. One side is blister. The other is peel. Two switches. One is more of a, a sort of overdrivey idea, and the other one is closer to a fuzz. You can play them individually or play them together. Did I get that right, Dan? That's pretty right. I, I probably would say the blister is closer to a distortion than an overdrive. That'd probably be an important marketing thing for me since I'm working on an overdrive. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I'll say that. It kind of runs a gamut, right? And it'll take you from clean boost uh, all the way to near octave fuzz. Call it whatever you want, as long as you like it and make good sounds with it. I've got the blister side on then, and I've got the blister all the way down. Nice and light, right, Ed? Very light, barely touching it. Should I turn it up? Uh, Yes. Hell yeah. 12 o'clock. 12 o'clock. There you go. See, now it sounds like an overdrive pedal right there at noon. Right. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Should I uh, go all the way up, Ed? Do it, John. Quit screwing around. (laughs) It sounds like it's doing what I expect it to do when you turned it up. Is this the V2? It is. There was a V1, I'm assuming. There was a V1, yeah. It started as an accident. I didn't mean to have a pedal company. I just wanted to make a pedal for myself when I was in a band, back when you could be in a band. Right. I ended up making this pedal, and a guy in my band was like, oh, that's super cool. I would like to have that pedal. So I made one for him, and I got carried away. And then other people wanted them. And so the first few V1s, I was doing these water slide decals, and I was spraying orange spray paint on them. I don't even think I had a drill press then. I was just hand drilling them. Yeah. Then I made a couple of runs of V1s. I think I made 10 that were powder coated and printed. And then I sold those and I was like, great, so I'll make more. And so then I made more of those. About halfway through selling that second batch, I started thinking about moving over to the Gorva enclosure. Then I was like, I really need to put this on printed circuit board because the V1s are all on strip board. And so the V2 was born. Also, you did that limited run of Leon's Railer, right? Yeah. Phaser, flanger thing. Yeah. Was that in between the two? It was. 
I was working toward the V2, the blister and peel, and then that kind of came out of nowhere. I was asked to make a pedal for Chris Rest um, of Lagwagon. So I made two, and I sent one to him, and I sent one to his guitar tech. Then people started asking about them. So I was like, oh, I better crank this out. And so I did that, and then kind of went back and got on the V2s. We got a hold of one of those from you way back, and I think John's posted photos and videos of the flanger. Yeah, totally. Way earlier in the year. I don't even remember like if it was pre-COVID, post-COVID, but... It might have been COVID because Dan left it in my mailbox. Uh. <laughs> yeah, we were definitely like, we're going to do a full no-contact drop-off here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It just sucks. You have to like measure time by that, you know, like. Yeah. When did we meet? Oh, well, let's see. Uh, we shook hands, so it had to be before COVID. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Do you have a background, like an EE background, or do you know what you're... You're going to ask what, if I know what I'm doing. <laughs> well, I mean, like, like, you know, it feels like a massive jump from distortion to phaser. Let me help you with that, Lee, yeah. because it is. So I did not design the circuit that went into the Leon's Railer Phaser. Okay. I found a company called Electric Druid that I think is based in Portugal. That's where their stuff ships from anyway. And they had done this really cool flanger circuit design. And so I talked with them and they were super cool and just like, yeah, you know, if you buy our boards and you use our chips, you're welcome to do it commercially or whatever. So that's kind of where that came from. I do not have any e background. I grew up working on everything with a stepdad who was like kind of an electrical nerd. His dad used to build ham radios, so he kind of knew about oh, yeah. some of that stuff. And so he somehow got this stuff into my brain right. as a youngster. And I worked in an electric motor shop for a number of years, rewinding electric motors and stuff. So I have like bits and pieces. So when my buddy who's a guitar tech was like, hey, you should build your own pedal. I was like, hell, I know how to solder. And I have the base understanding of transistors and resistors and capacitors and so forth. So I can probably figure that out you weren't coming in from a baseline of just nothing right yeah yeah along the way did you have people that you leaned on for information and did you find people were pretty open with that the pedal building community is so supportive and cool everybody has been great nick rogers who has dirty haggard audio down in portland right we did a pedal trade. I sent him one of mine. He sent me one of his. And then he was just like, here, I got some parts laying around. Can you use them? And I was like, yeah. So he sent me some parts. You know, we message and he's like always willing to help me troubleshoot stuff. There are tons of people all over the place who've been supportive and helpful. That's been really crucial because sometimes I'm just like beating my head against the wall going, what is this? Why don't I get this? Why doesn't it make sense? You know, I can usually bother somebody and they're like oh hey here's why and don't worry i did the same thing john and i have had pedal guys on the show and everyone says that everyone echoes the pedal community is awesome for the boom that seems to be going on it's cool that it's still supportive like that yeah and i didn't have any expectation i mean when i started down this road Sure. What's the new one you're working on? I'm working on a overdrive. Uh, it's almost assuredly going to be called the Litigator. <laughs> Sweet. For uh, bluesy lawyers? You know it. Is that the thing? It's a nod, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there was this tone I was getting with certain settings of the blister and peel, 
And I was like, this has got this bluesy sound. It really reminded me of like some of Eric Clapton's tones when he was playing with the Blues Breakers. I would play that and I would kind of kick on this boost maybe to get a little more of this. But there was just this sound that I was like, this, I really want to focus around this. And so then when I was talking to a buddy of mine, he was like, dude, you should call it the litigator. And I was like, oh my God, that's perfect. (laughs) It's so good. Should we listen to the other side of this pedal? Yeah. I'll put the peel at zero. So that's all the way down. What are you doing? Come on. All the way down. Okay. All right. (laughs) Come on. What's the fat knob? What does that do? It's mostly a treble cut, but there's a little treble boost in it. Okay. There you go. (laughs) Yeah. Should I put on both sides at the same time? Of course you should. Yeah, do it. Yep. That's pretty good. I really like how you can just uh, uh, go into just annoying town, which is where I tend to spend a lot of time. The tone cut? I like that a lot, too. Do that again, John. That. That's not both of them, is it? No, that's just the peel. Yeah, put on the blister, too. That's for my, you know, my Desert Rock, Caius, kind of, that band. When you move out to the desert. The only safe place to have a band in 2020. (laughs) (laughs) So you flexed a little bit with the phaser. Are you thinking the future will hold more modulation-y stuff? Are you thinking about that or? I would really like to do something in that realm I'd like to do something that's my own design or at least my own take on sort of a standard design. Um, I'd like to do a reverb. There's this Accutronics giant box that is in a lot of classic analog sounding reverbs. I've long thought about doing a reverb around one of those. I definitely want to get something in that realm. You know, there's potential. All right. I think we did it. Did we? I think so, Dan. Sure. I mean, you know, you guys are the bosses of this show, so... You are on the Instas. Pretty active on Instagram. I've shared a few images of works in progress. I'm also about to release another batch of the Blister and Peel, so I got to share that once in a while, too. Cool. Sweet. Those haven't been available for a while. Dan, I think you did a great job tonight. Fantastic job. I think you really knocked it out of the park. Hey, Dan, thanks a lot for uh, taking the time to talk to our dumbasses. And uh, we're going to be watching your pedals with great interest. Right, Ed? Absolutely. Well, thank you guys so much for having me on. I love tuning in to your show. That was pretty good, Ed. That was great. Dan is super cool guy. He is a super cool guy. Did you learn a lot about pedals? You know, yeah. No, I learned a lot, John. <laughs> did you learn a lot about pedals, John? I did. Pretty good clean, too. 
how does it actually play? This thing plays wonderfully. Now, it's got a ebony neck on it. Yep, your favorite. Yeah, with pearl inlays. The ebony neck just feels, to my hand, a little smoother, easier to get around. Decent sustain. The thing with that guitar and those shapes is it seems like all of his decisions are correct. Everything he's doing is correct at that point. You know, like 74, 75, there's like Sabbath, Rush, Zeppelin, Aerosmith, Kiss. Right. The bands that are huge, but then you've got like Molly Hatchet and Uriah Heep and Nugent and Purple and Nazareth. And like, he's just making all of those dudes guitars. That's what he's doing. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's exactly what he ends up doing. He could not have been positioned in a better spot his brain was on exactly the right wavelength. I think that's right. And that advertisement we were talking about? Yep. He built the guitars for that ad. Those were the first three he made. Oh, no kidding. Like, those were literally his first three? Those are them. First three production models. Wow. So he packs them up in his van for the drive out to Los Angeles in 1977, January, for Nam. That's crazy. Here we go, man. He's going to debut them at him. Those guitars are amazing looking. He certainly had prototypes and stuff before these three. He did. And he mentions having to throw away a good many of them as he was learning. Yeah. Think about all the deeply technical aspects of this. Yeah. Like we could just go to the internet. Right. Download a template. Right. All this stuff is so well documented at this point. How would you do that in the 70s? It seems super smart. Yeah. All right. At that time in Dean's early history, probably the biggest shot in the arm would come from ZZ Top. The legs video, right? The legs video. Yes. Those are actually <laughs> guitars covered in <laughs> sheepskin that Billy Gibbons sent to Dean from Scotland. He sent the sheepskin to him. Yeah, he's like, I need you to cover guitars with this. Of course. By the way, that Legs video ends up winning the MTV Music Video Award for Best Group Video. We definitely date ourselves with some references and stuff. If you are John and Ed's age, you have seen that video like 9 million times. Yeah. And if you're not our age and you're just kind of sitting bored at home looking for something to roll your eyes at, look up the ZZ Top Legs video. Ugh. ZZ Top were very male-gazy in their videos. Yes. And Dean played no small part in putting women in bikinis in guitar ads. Talk about the male gaze and objectification of women. It was an actual Playboy playmate he hired in that ad. She's standing in a skimpy bikini in some water, holding up a Dean guitar. And it just went that way. Oh, that one worked. Let's just turn this shit to 11. Well, by 1986, just two years after the ZZ Top video, mm -hmm. our man Dean has had enough and he sells. But in a weird move, Ed, he sells to a company called Tropical Music. Okay. They decide to take the market for those guitars exclusively overseas. God damn it. I don't mean production. I mean availability, too. Rarely are you going to see one 
in the United States after that. Isn't that strange? We're just going to take this whole company and go elsewhere. Then they come back. Yes. There's a period where they're gone. That's right. Okay. In 1997, this guy named Elliot Rubinson buys the name back, and he goes about the business of trying to build that brand back up and bring it back to the U.S. And they made real legit Dean guitars. Still do. You can still get flat out United States made models as well as overseas stuff. We borrowed this 1979 original Z model from Uncle Frank down there at thunderroadguitars.com. Yeah. And they also have a V that is a reissue. I believe it's in 1977, like the first year. Okay. American-made reissue, and it looks fantastic. I don't recall how much it is, but, you know, viewers, go to thunderroadguitars.com if you want to check that out. Yeah. Every once in a while, we do one of these, and I'm more interested in the story of the guitar than the guitar itself and, like, the person. And then we get to the end of it, and it's like, oh, man, I fucking love that guitar. But it's largely because of the story. Right. That's the deal with this. Like, I don't really care about a 70s Dean, but now I kind of care about a 70s Dean. Like, that's pretty rad. And that's the state of affairs, and that's the story of Dean, Ed. I am pretty into it. There's a couple of questionable 70s things. I don't know that we just give passes over here. It's not up to us. We are like guitar archaeologists Yep. or guitar journalists. We take the facts as we find them. Yeah. And sometimes we find the facts scantily clad standing in water, holding a guitar. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Where can people find us, John? People can find us on thehighgain.com, Ed. Maybe on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Pinterest, Patreon, LinkedIn. Did I forget any? All you got to do is look for The High Gain on any of those places. Yep. Send us a mail at thehighgainpod at gmail.com. That's right. And don't forget to leave a review on iTunes. Ooh, that would be great. I think you did a great job today, John. Thank you very much. This one was fun. This was a lot of fun. I'm into it. You did great, too. Thanks, John. Okay, bye. Bye.